Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at LonghornPod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, the Longhorn Republic, Instagram, Longhorn Republic. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who has it on good authority that Paul Feinbaum doesn't have good authority. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? <laughs> Uh, I'm good, man. The, uh, the, the fighting Tom Herman's of, of South Carolina, uh, that are not, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad we get him for another year and the SEC doesn't, uh, I, I just, the, 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 the conference's self, the inflated sense of self, I should say is, is hilarious to me again. It's the fighting Alabamas and, and the Pips uh, this year, but teams like South Carolina think that Tom Herman is, is clamoring to come there. Uh, even if he had been fired with, with Texas, I, I think he could do better than that. Uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is. You can get me started any day of the week on how the SEC is, is uh, overrated, self-fulfilling prophecy of, of being you know average and, and looking better because they start with high numbers at the beginning of the season. But either way, it's all good. We don't need to talk about that. It's a different podcast. Uh, Tom Herman is currently coach the texas longhorns that all 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 that matters and and his wife continues to shut down uh paul feinbaum and other idiots when they when they they speak the 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 non-truth so it was a flat denial from michelle herman on twitter but something we can't deny texas is back in action football wise a couple of different ways one texas is back cleared to participate in football activities they have some uh no longer have to do virtual workouts they can get back together and work out preparing for a bowl game. Uh, they'll probably find out about it this weekend following all of the conference championship. Uh, we'll have more about that on Tuesday, but the big news, the big thing that Texas was in action was for the opening of early signing period. What we now call national signing day, even though the old heads like you and I will continue to think February is regardless of when most of the kids signed Texas received letters of intent from 18 of the 19 players currently in this class, including five-star athlete Jatavian Sanders. The only outstanding one is um, Ishmael Ibrahim, who's dealing uh, with some legal issues. Currently, you probably saw about it on the internet. So he's still working through some legal issues um, pertaining to charges that he caught basically a week ago, (laughs) this time last week, I think last Saturday. Um, Those things are still working out. So we'll find out more about that as the legal proceedings uh, happen. Texas has not fully closed the door on him being a member of the class, especially uh, given how the legal proceedings have already moved forward and some new things that have come out. Uh, And if you want to know more about that, Kyle and I, again, don't have sources, but our friend Mike Roach does, who we're going to try to get back on on Monday, and maybe he'll talk about that uh, for us next week. But uh, in that whole process, Texas picked up a commitment from uh, Holy Cross defensive lineman Baron, uh, Baron Sorrell, who uh, is out of Louisiana, Kyle's favorite place on the face of the planet, uh, probably projects to that three technique on the defense. There's a lot of um, new blood coming to campus. So as, as we look at this recruiting class, uh, and even considering maybe the, the transfer that Texas picked up from McNeese State, Darian Dunn, like what, what's got you the most excited uh, of this group? Darian Dunn came from McNeese. We, we picked up Baron Sorrell, a, a, a three-star weak side defensive end from Louisiana. Last time we did that was Malcolm Roach. That worked out all right. Texas is finally getting it figured out, right? Like basically 
like me, you live in Texas, you, you love Texas, you rep Texas hard, but you just sneak out every once in a while, greater New Orleans, get some darn good gumbo, etouffee, fried chicken, and a couple recruits, and, and head on back. You know, they, they have it figured out. Uh, but no, what am I most excited about? I think the obvious answer here is, Gerald, and, and you know, you let me go first so I get easy pick the dibs that you and I have been talking about it for a while, uh, is the linebackers, right? I, I'm excited. Um for the first time in a long time about the, the depth that we should have at that position for the next couple of years. Um, some guys already on campus bringing in three really, really talented, like in my mind, one of the best linebacking single recruiting classes Texas had in at least a decade. Um, obviously, you know, to Gabriel Floyd was an individually stellar pick who didn't end up getting to play that hurt both depth and his inability to uh, contribute. But uh, you know, this is three players, Assuming one, two, maybe all three work out, um, I, I'm I'm pretty excited about the the trio of of Terrence Cooks, Maurice Blackwell, and uh, Derek Harris Jr. So I'm uh, I'm excited by the linebackers. Kudos to Coleman Hutzler. He's he's my favorite coach on the staff right now. A guy who's developed the heck out of uh, the Juwan Mitchell and Demar and uh, excuse me, uh, D Overshown. Um, linebacking group that we have they progressed the most out of any unit on the field this season um and then he follows it up with a with a, a great recruiting class so coleman hutzler earning his dollars since he got to ut um and and you know i think whatever happens with the future of the program that guy's uh, secured himself a spot just based on that that linebacker group is could very well be if they all kind of live up to the potential uh, be one of the better linebacking groups we've seen uh, come in. Derek Harris had like I think forty tackles for loss in two seasons uh, with New Caney, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, there were times uh, Terrence Cooks when he played for Shadow Creek looked like one of the best players on the field in a lot of games where there were probably six or seven D one players uh, on that team. And then uh, Maurice Blackwell one, you know, Mike, Mike Roach, our friend, we talk about him a lot. We talk about recruiting was saying that like most of the pictures he has of Maurice are shirtless because Maurice doesn't wear a shirt in the, in the most appropriate way possible. If I had the physique of Maurice Blackwell, I would burn every shirt I own and all of my neighbor's shirts just to be safe. Like that's that, like that guy's just a physical specimen. And so that group of three and this Ger- Gerald Goodridge wearer of shimmel exact, shirts. I would wear if you if you're if you watch Lovecraft <laughs> Country, you know Jonathan Majors always have has his shoulders out. I'd be like that but more obnoxious. <laughs> if this group can live up to the potential that they have. They're a high-ceiling group, and we've seen Coleman Hutzler coach up a high-ceiling guy into Marvin Overshone. And even uh, with the guys on campus, we saw we saw Joan Mitchell progress from kind of being a liability to being an asset for that defense. So I'm really excited uh, for that group. Another group that I'm really excited by is I think the defensive line class as well. I mean, obviously you have Jatavian Sanders in there, which he's going to make any defensive line coach look good. I, I was going to ask where we classified him. Cause if you put the Jack position at linebacker and you give me him, then, then that's truly an unreal uh, class. But for this exercise, I will give you that we're calling Jack cause it is really defensive end position. We could put him with the line. Yeah. Line linebacker. Either way he's, there's been talk of like which side of the ball he's going to play on. And he's, he's yeah. a very capable receiver. He's very, very athletic. That's why he's an athlete and not at either one of these positions. Um, but everybody that knows recruiting and development and really anybody that understands who gets paid in football, like says this guy has a better upside, uh, both physically and monetarily 
at that at, at a defensive side of the ball. He's he could be another Joseph Osai for Texas in a couple of years. But even guys that aren't as high, like I think Byron Murphy is is you know number four hundred yeah. in the country. But um, when you look at him, he's he's on a defense with Shamar Turner, and you watch some of those games, and you see a lot more Murphy than you do Turner, and that may be a schematic thing. But you know, they're they're Baron Sorrell, the kid that they got flipped out of of New Orleans Holy Cross. Like he's a kid that again, it's hard to trust the recruiting rankings this year because nobody yeah. really got out to see it. So like a lot of this is based off of like where they were initially and then their junior tape, right? And then you've got a guy Jordan Thomas who's like I'm super excited about Jordan Thomas. Yeah. And I'm just and this is not meant to be a shot at, at the coaches at Port Arthur Memorial because they're probably better football coaches than I am. But like Jordan Thomas is so physically gifted that he didn't really have to focus on technique. He was just faster than any offensive lineman he played. He was more physical than any running back he played against. So the guy kind of just, and I think it's really uh, apt that he has like a gorilla emoji in his, in his Twitter handle. Cause he basically could just go silverback all over any player and physically do it. And of the coaches that have been consistent on this staff, when you look at like the group before this group where Oscar, you know, where they were saying players weren't developing, what's the one group that was sending guys to the NFL? The group coached by Oscar Giles. Yeah. And so Oscar Giles being a dedicated defensive end coach now, now that they have a... Um, you know, Mark Hagan coaching the defensive tackles. Um, you get to see him focus entirely on defensive ends. And Jordan Thomas, a guy who's who's got the physical tools that he does with dedicated, like, hey, this is how, because you're not going to be just flat better than the guy you're lining up across most weeks of the year. So, like, let's get that guy some technique. A guy that's got that high of a ceiling with so much untapped technique is someone that I'm kind of salivating to think about. Yeah, I mean, those are fantastic picks. Obviously, we're very excited for Isaac Pearson, who we had on the podcast a while back, Obviously. come in and continue the the pro kick Australia, you know, pipeline. punter from down under pipeline. Um, so Pearson, due to the time difference, first guy in, obviously told us on the pod he was enrolling early. I think it was at 12.30 um, so p.m. Or 12.30 a.m., <laughs> excuse me, uh, Australia yeah. time. Yeah, he he, uh, he he's he's all about getting on that U.S. time, though. He's got to get acclimated because he's enrolling early. Excited to see him. Um, again, we're hoping uh, Bushevsky comes back from his injury fully fine. I think he has one more year. So give Pearson a chance to uh, to learn from him, from his former, uh, you know, I guess the guy he followed in the pipeline from Pro Kick. So excited to get him on campus, but we probably won't hopefully see the fruits uh, right away. Juan Davis, the guy people have talked about, can kind of play everywhere. Jonathan Brooks, Gerald, I'm not going to steal your thunder. You've been the guy tooting his <laughs> horn. A guy that... I am excited about those. Jaden Alexis, a kind of electric playmaking um, receiver out of Florida. So we recruited both coasts, um, and those two guys are two of the players I'm most excited for. Alexis, um, 5'11", 185, kind of uh, got Christian Kirk comparisons um, for his electric speed and playmaking, which definitely excites me. Um, but I, 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 um, I think I put on Instagram and said, um, get ready for some some Jordan Shipley vibes. And, and uh, Jaden reached out to me and said, man, those are big shoes to fill. But, uh, you know, I, I'm happy to try. So, like, I appreciate that he says that's a lot. Those are legends, man. But, yeah, I'll try. Like, that's confidence, but not cockiness. And I, I appreciate that. And so he bumped up even higher up uh, up my favorite board uh, based on that there. And then J.D. Coffey's just a guy I'm excited about. It's safety. Texas has had a lot of safeties, a lot of um, good luck with them going through the program to the NFL level. And he just feels to me like a guy who could be the next in that train uh, coming in. And if he develops appropriately, could be a lot. I mean, I just think 
again, you cannot talk enough about Jatavian Sanders in this class. The number one athlete in the country. I mean, the guy, 6'3", 220, maybe 6'4", 220, makes one-handed catches on both sides of the ball. He intercepts screen passes one hand. He, he was on ESPN. You got Moss, if you haven't seen it, making a, a, a ridiculous one-handed touchdown catch. And Herman said he plans to play him on both sides of the ball. I don't remember... When the last, uh, I know uh, Verbit has been tweeting at us all season that Deshaun Jameson should have had the opportunity to play, uh, but I don't remember when the last player played on both sides of the ball for Texas. If you know, tweet at us at Longhorn Pod. Uh, we'll have to look that up. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, obviously, for the big five star, the, the, the immense talent to see what he can do and what he can grow into. And, and I think, like you said, if you're working at that jack position, if you're working in that defensive end position, and you have uh, some coaching from Hutzler and or uh, Oscar Giles, like. Right now, those are the guys I'm happiest with as my coaches on this team, probably not just the defense. So uh, I'm excited for him to get the good development to go with those ridiculous genes. So Tom Herman has said they're still going to be active on the transfer market, probably a lot of the spots where they uh, missed out in this early period. Uh, offensive line probably going to be very likely going to be something that they look very heavily at. And as we mentioned, they already picked up a veteran cornerback in McNeese transfer, uh, Darian Dunn, six foot one, one ninety two, also a track guy uh, for McNeese and an all conference player for uh, for them. He had a pretty decent performance against Oklahoma State. Yeah, he got to match up with Tylen Wallace, which again, if you're going to get a taste for covering the best of the Big Twelve, why not start there before you come to Texas? Um, I, I think speed in this in this. Uh, Chris Ash defense is is fantastic. So we do return uh, pretty much all of our cornerbacks from last year, but I do think um, you know it'll be curious to see is there someone like a Jalen Green moving to the safety spot, or is it just adding you know lots of depth and just having dudes out there? But uh, nonetheless, I like it. I like getting the talent. Uh, flipped him from NC State, so um, you know clearly a, a a school that NC State always maximizes talent. So I'm I'm okay. Uh, getting that one and added in into the pipe. And and by the way, by the way, Gerald, one last thing, and I won't belabor. I almost forgot that Hayden Connor was in this class. I thought he was in like three classes ago. <laughs> the guy's been ninety six. He's he's been committed since you and I first yeah graduated high school and decided to go to UT ourselves. Which was not nineteen ninety six, um, by the way. It was not. We're not that old. Um, but so yes, again, excited for Hayden Connor. I don't want to. I don't want to overlook uh, my boy uh, UT Aerospace's finest. <laughs> I mean, the guy used the Marvel clips in his commitment video. What more do you need? So we will continue to cover recruiting as it happens. Uh, Basically, Texas has, or everybody has, the rest of this week to get it signed. And then if not, the next signing period will... uh, will happen in February. We'll have uh, Mike or Nick, one of our friends, come on and talk about uh, what's going to look like for the rest of the cycle for Texas and what 2022 will look like as well. So after several basketball cancellations, we finally got some basketball. We finally got to see some actual sports. It felt like it had been forever since we got to watch uh, the Longhorns compete on the hardwood. So number 11 men's basketball. Um didn't do this as soundly as we would hope, but um, they they topped Sam Houston State seventy nine to sixty three a sixteen point win over uh, Sam Houston State. Uh, they got off to a quick start, but you know there's a weird technical foul called in the end of the game that kind of just just sapped all of the energy out of the team, and so Texas kind of kind of withered a little bit late, uh, not promising, but if you go based on what Texas did for the first, you know, 
two-thirds, maybe 85% of this game, Texas looks real good, and then that, that weird ending kind of sapped a lot of good feeling out of this out of this win. Yeah, no doubt about that. They, they led by about 20 and a half. I think they were up at 35 at one point, um, and then they went seven minutes without a field goal. I think it was like, like a 17-4 to four run, something like that, that, that really made the score look close. If you take that segment and, like you said, the technical foul and kind of the weirdness of it, again, not my favorite officiated game, but I, this was not like a, oh, no, the refs uh, game. I, the Texas is out-talented. And for that first half, and, and like you said, first two-thirds, they just absolutely swarmed Sam Houston on the defensive end, and I love to see that. I mean, they it, it looked like for the first time in a long time, and maybe me tweeting this was, was the kiss of death, but this is how it felt to just be the better team and just run a team out of the gym. I mean, Sam Houston State actually scored pretty well to get 26 at the half. I'd say out of those 26, at least probably – 12, 14 of those points were kind of circus contested shots, whereas a three-pointer with a guy with a hand so far in your face that it looked like, you know, someone was doing the, uh, the uh, what is it, you can't see me, John Cena, uh, and they still would hit these shots. So it's like, you know, you, you can do nothing about that, but they're playing incredible defense in addition to Shaka Smart playing incredible sideline defense. He was uh, shuffling and getting in stances. I loved it. Kameka Hepa playing that sideline defense as well, shouting instructions. The team was a well-oiled machine. Um, Sam Houston State, who has is, who is scored and played some really tough teams to start the season out and, and played pretty well, and they do have a, a legitimate great score, and, and Texas locked him down for most of that time. But they they, they hit some, some tough shots to make it even a game. And then, like I said, when Texas – stalled they, they a little bit took advantage to make it closer but I don't want to talk about them I want to talk about the Texas team Courtney Ramey just fantastic in this one five for seven from deep 17 points um six assists and I like that I mean he, he played some good defense on on one end and then you know ran the court got in spots to hit down you know, knock down threes got the ball to the bigs running inside it, it was a really really good game from Ramey um Greg Brown had, had a good game. I think he had a really good game, especially the end of the Texas State game. Had 17 points, 10 rebounds, a double-double, two blocks, two steals. You know, did some good things. Um, just needs to get that, like, again, there's some freshman things you want to see worked out from him where he attacks when maybe he should have kicked it out one more time to an open guy when he gets it in the corner. Or his, his he's knocked the rust off his three ball, um, but it's he, he looks to be a streaky shooter right now. So getting a little bit more consistency there but ultimately a very good game from him uh and Ramey uh the thing I was I was uh curious to see was Andrew Jones had a little streak where he hit back to back with beautiful he had a turnaround uh kind of post almost jumper and then an in rhythm uh mid-range jumper that were both just things of of beauty ended up with 13 points a lot of that was six of eight from the line and I like that I like that he was aggressive got to the line uh Greg Brown had a couple trips to the line I I, I like Texas we've talked about it in our preview we've talked about it in almost every game of the season getting inside and not just relying on the three ball when you when you think about where Texas is going to be successful in conference play right because this is this is really what we're what we're thinking about now as we make this transition right because Oklahoma State who's playing really good basketball right now uh, comes to town on Sunday so you've got to think about okay what what's going to make them successful and it's going to be attacking the basket getting down low and getting to the free throw line like Texas um, it wasn't was good, not great from from the stripe, right? Seventy three percent. The second half was really where they did themselves in, but getting to the line is good, but converting on those freebies is is great. And so I think that's going to be the differentiator 
for Texas is that they've got the big bodies and, and push down low and create those mismatch because again, when Texas looked at, at its best against Sam Houston state, and we've, I'm going to sound like a broken record. And maybe if you tune in every couple of days and listen to us talk about basketball, Texas looked at its best when they were aggressively attacking the basket. The offense moved well. Yeah. They made they made the extra pass to try to create some space. And and this is I think Texas is going to be an inside out team, and that's okay when you've got that much talent, that much size, and that much athleticism. That's completely okay. Like that's how you should run it. And so that's what it was going to make Texas successful uh, at the at, you know as conference play unfolds. And again, we we say it a lot on this podcast, but your your favorite wins in the early season are the wins where you where you have still some stuff to coach up, right? Now, if we're still saying that in the second half of the season, then well, at least they're still winning. But we hopefully transition from you know we're we're only what like six games into the season at this point. It feels like it's been going on forever, but we're seven games. Excuse me. That was the, that seven, was the seventh yeah. game. So yeah. we're seven games into the season, which still is not a whole lot of games. So like Texas is still. There's only so much practice can do for you. There's only so much rhythm and, um, you know, just game speed that can be simulated in practice because that's why it's practice and not a game. And so getting to getting to see them, and I feel like they're progressing. I feel like this is a team that, that is, is improving game to game. Now, again, they did have that long lag, so some of that could be that. Some of that could be, you know, the, the break between – you know, basically just a full week off. You don't normally get a full week off outside of a holiday break. So I think maybe some of it is, is, is rust and some of it is needing to get back in rhythm. And that's uh, hope now that they're back in rhythm, we should see improve. And as, as Oklahoma state comes to town, a couple things just real quick to take away that I think you will see, this wasn't the biggest Matt Coleman game. It didn't need to be. He had nine points, four rebounds, three assists, two steals. He did record his 400th career says what I'm expecting is that Oklahoma state will probably be a Matt Coleman game. And hopefully early he can establish kind of the tempo and, and, and run the offense, um, you know, dishing and assisting being a key part of that, right? Not just uh, his scoring. Um, I, I think Texas from, from three, they started seven to 14. Then they went three of their next 17. Most of that uh, difficulty coming in the second half. Again, if they get cold and they keep driving, kicking or, or, you know, good ball movement working around to get the open three, they just keep missing them. Like you said, either free throw line or just attacking at the rim, which is going to be a Coleman Ramey, probably Brown special, but don't, don't sleep on Kai Jones. He had six points in this one, but three ESPN level highlights, just an unbelievable alley-oop finish. And then another on a fast break in the lane, like just really, really good stuff. So excited to see UT attack in the matchup against Oklahoma state pits, literally the two best freshmen in the big 12. You could argue two of the best freshmen in the country, both, uh, you know, lottery potential picks and Cade Cunningham, uh, and Greg Brown. So they, Cade Cunningham's got off to a, a rocking start for Oklahoma state. And you have to wonder, is Brown going to try to match him shot for shot and take himself out of his best gamers? He can continue to play great defense, you know, hustle on that side of the ball, take charges, you know, move the ball a little bit more, you know, not try to hit a bunch of threes if his shot, you know, isn't there. Um, but you know, be a, a cog in the team as opposed to, uh, being the entire team, which right now I think Texas plays best. Like you said, um, when it's, when it's not just one player. So it will be, a great matchup it'll be really interesting texas will be favored in that one um but oklahoma state like you said has some weapons and especially cade cunningham can be scary don't be surprised if he puts up 30 some odd points he's just he's really really good yeah it's gonna it's i think it's gonna be a fun matchup and i think it's going to be it's gonna be telling of what texas is because 
I think when you look at talent for talent, like, yes, Oklahoma State is a very good team, but I think Texas probably uh, should be able to win this. Um, not not comfortably. Comfortably is not the right word, but it should they should be able to, to come away with a win that uh, we don't have to sit on the edge of our seat for the entirety of the game. All right, so let's take a look at the uh, burn orange lenses. We're not jumping straight in the NFL this week. We do have some 40 acres of news uh, to look at, and, and it is a player who is no longer uh, most likely going to be with the team. Uh, freshman, highly touted freshman quarterback, Jaquindon Johnson, uh, excuse me, Jaquindon Jackson, uh, entered the transfer portal, um, which is which is unfortunate because you know w- there was a point where we were sitting looking at okay, Ellinger leaves. It'll be a matchup between uh, Thompson and then we have Jackson and Card. All three of those guys are going to get in there. And then, of course, you got Milrow coming. And, you know, Ewers is is coming in the pipeline and just the quarterback is stocked. Well, out of that now, um, you know, we, we, we added Charles Wright in this class. Um, but, you know, with, with Ellinger probably leaving, it now looks like it might be, if, if Jackson is gone, it might be a Hudson Card, Thompson, and that's really it for next year. And maybe, um, you know, if, if it's Card who wins that or, or gets ready for the next year, we have uh, a little bit less depth than we anticipated. But uh, nonetheless, Jackson, an explosive, unbelievable high school level player, uh, is is a, is a big loss. Gerald, uh, what do you think? Yeah, the the weird thing about college recruiting at this point is like you have to recruit multiple quarterbacks to protect against transfers, which also almost guarantees that you'll always have transfers. And so there's this weird, like, freak out about, you know, Jaquin and Jackson's leaving, which, yes, I think uh, there was a lot of contention toward the end of last recruiting cycle about um, which of the two quarterbacks was was better. Uh, Again, better could mean a lot of different things. But uh, Jaquin and Jackson is is easily one of the more talented quarterbacks that I think the state has produced in, in quite a long time and a state that produces a ton of talented quarterbacks. And so like seeing him leave isn't great. Now there is something to be said about like him getting recruited for one offense and then switching to a yeah. new offense. So like yeah. there's, there's that where he, he probably fits more of the, um, the Beck Herman mode and not necessarily the Ursich mode. And I think, um, you know, Hudson card probably fits that better than what, than what he does. And so there, there's a lot to be said for that. Um, there's already crystal balls in that he's going to Longhorn finishing school, AKA SMU. So he could very well land there. He's a Dallas area kid. Samples was a big part of his initial connection with Texas. Um, and we even saw like, what we, what, who I call jokingly friend of the show, Mother Hustler, tweet to Rashad Samples about bringing Jaquin and Jackson back to Dallas. So it would make sense, especially as we look at Shane Bouchelle likely graduating. There'll be a quarterback opening there, and he's a talented kid who, you know, he'll have four years to compete. So I'm, I'm interested to see uh, where he lands. All right, Gerald, and the weirdest news of the burnt orange lens is number 22 women's basketball. Uh, seeing that they had a game canceled, added a home game Friday against Drake. Now, I know Drake is a big basketball fan, Gerald, but is this, have you ever heard of this uh, five women against one rapper on the court at the same time? Is this is this completely uh, unheard of? I mean, does, does he have more than one dance in him? Uh, I mean, I, I like... I really don't know what God's plan is for 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 Drake to take on uh, both Charlie Collier and the entire Texas women's basketball team. I don't know how to follow up your nonsense on that one, Kyle. <laughs> um, I, I contemplated a James nope. Harden joke there. 
I I wonder <laughs> if James Harden raps, then yes, we've probably seen that alignment. But um, <laughs> I don't necessarily know what to say other than um, you're the best. Uh, yeah, no days off for the Texas women's team as they take on Drake. That's Drake, the, uh, I believe they're in Des Moines, Iowa, Drake University. Obviously, I'm making hilarious jokes. Um, but it will be a chance to see not only Charlie Collier, but the other big in uh, that we hope to see in this team, Lauren Eba, will be immediately eligible for Texas because I think there was just a blanket NCAA waiver clearance that came out today. Uh, so uh, I'm very excited to see Lauren Ebo, I believe a Penn State transfer, uh, who, you know, has a lot of upside and, again, especially paired with with Charlie Collier, who, who can stretch and be a stretch five. Ebo uh, can can be another big body inside. We've relied a lot on a really talented, actually, freshman in that second big role, but I will be excited to see someone with the experience of Ebo get in there. And I think, again, you'll see that number shrink next to the women's basketball team uh, as they get her and as they get more, you know, that that, that lineup uh, gelled and cohesive as Kyron Lambert gets gets fully into the, the swing of things in the rotation. I think um, I'm excited. It's coming to full strength finally. All right, let's take a look at the uh, the NFL now, Gerald. We won't spend too too much time. This wasn't the most Longhorn involved week, but uh, the Seahawks did get a, a get us off to a crushing forty to three win over the poor hapless Jets. Uh, not a lot of box score stuff because it was just a, another blowout. Quandre Diggs one tackle, Puna Ford uh, two tackles, Michael Dixon two punts, uh, one inside the the twenty. Um, I did love after the the I think on the Monday. Uh, presser though, uh, Pete Carroll was talking about Puna Ford and said he's such a good athlete. He just doesn't have the body that you'd suggest he's a good athlete. Uh, he has a special knack for the way he plays the game. Um, also added that he's one of the better athletes on the team and is a tremendous shooter on the basketball court. But Gerald, what do you think about little Pete Carroll having something to say about Puna Ford's beautiful body? Pete Carroll's always been a weird guy. Always been a weird guy. Always <laughs> marched to the beat of his own drummer. Um, but, uh, you know, Puna Ford is, is kind of like a cinder block almost in a lot of ways in the defense, which makes it, which is part of what makes him good, right? Like he's, ju- he's just gonna, he's just gonna put all of his weight in the anchor as you would probably call it. Um, you know, the, the hind quarters, the back part, the loin, if you will, and just lean down and keep you from moving him and clog up the entire center of your offense, which works. If someone got a full burn barrel and that thing's on fire, you don't want to touch it. You don't want to push it around. You don't want to move it. That's basically how Puna Ford uh, plays in his shape like uh, for the Seahawks. Uh, the Giants had a four-game win streak, and then they went and messed with the success formula. They put uh, reinserted Daniel Jones as the starter, snapped that win streak, uh, benched Jones in the fourth, put Colton. It looks like Jones will probably be the starter going forward, but I would expect a shorter leash and Colt to see some more snaps before the year's over. The Titans did get a W, um, and, and again, can't play all three Texas guys. Kenny Vaccaro was a uh, was a late uh, game-time scratch. I think he was just said sick. Uh, Dante Foreman did not get any stats, even though uh, Henry rushed for 200 yards, I think. And then the big Longhorn, my Longhorn of the week, I think this week, my first at least, my boy Jeff Swain. We talked about him. We talked about the fact of just seeing him brings us joy, getting time, getting catches, getting stats. Three catches for 38 yards and a touchdown, Gerald, and he got tackled on the half-yard line. Away from having a double touchdown day, Jeff Swain hadn't had one since I think 2017 uh, and almost got two um, because, come on, man, the the guy is like quadrupled his entire Texas 
career stats at this point. Uh, good for good for Jeff Sway. I'm excited for him. The simple fact that he's like has more catches in a game than he did in his entire career at Texas is very very funny to me. Uh, we're we're rooting for him. The the team they beat in that one was the Jaguars. Colin Johnson, I think, two catches for 33 yards. A little bit down from the past couple weeks, and that's probably why they didn't win. Uh, Jordan Hicks. Team high eight tackles yet again uh, in the Cardinals for a, a win uh, for them. The Kansas City Chiefs uh, got after Tua. They played your Dolphins, Gerald. Um, I think they had four sacks and eight QB hits. Uh, Okafor did not have anything on the stat sheet other than he had three of those eight quarterback hits. So he was just scratching, getting so close uh, to, to getting Tua. But again, I think those hits uh, maybe added up because it's valiant, uh valiant game, but but ultimately came up uh, a bit short. Gerald, what do you think of your Dolphins in this one? There's a, there's a really old meme that, talks about you know and it's gone and you know Miami had a lead on the Chiefs and the Chiefs did what the Chiefs do and they put up a bunch of points real fast and so uh, they had a lead and it's gone but we knew that Miami was a little bit ahead of its skis and so being not being able to run with the defending Super Bowl champion slash one of the three best teams in the league is okay like a year and a half two years into the rebuild absolutely that's a great point and Brandon Jones has been ahead of schedule as well. I think a, a pick that people thought might pay off, might take some time, but the, the amount he has contributed immediately led the team in that in that game. Again, played a lot of snaps against the, the best offense in a decade in NFL football. I don't know. They're really, really good. Um, and, and held them to 33 points, which, again, is good. Three interceptions that that defense had against uh, Mahomes had the, the NFL's, I think, longest sack or at least longest sack in a decade with a 30 yard sack of Mahomes. So the, the defense looked good. They, they did their part. I think Jones, um, again, way ahead of schedule. I'm so, so happy for him. Uh, saints keeping that weird Texas thing where they don't play all their longhorns at once. Uh, Malcolm Brown was a DNP. Malcolm Roach suited up in his spot, uh, had two tackles, had a big fourth down stop. Uh, I think in the third quarter, um, Saints started to come back after that. It ultimately came up just a little bit short to Jalen Hurts, um, who hilariously set both White and 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 uh, other Twitters uh, a flutter with his uh, with his either Gene Simmons or what actually was probably his fraternal uh, sign when he uh, when he uh, a Q I believe he is recently a paper Q uh, when he threw up the sign after a touchdown and white people had no idea what he was doing, <laughs> what he was doing so we don't love Jalen Hurts uh, he, he, he came from Texas went to Alabama and OU never never played uh, for the good school from the state he's from but uh, I did love that he set the internet utterly aflame the Patriots uh, a valiant effort Adrian Phillips got 10 tackles, consecutive weeps with du- weeks with double digits, uh, but still took the L. Chuck Omenehu still not playing 100% of the snaps. What do you do in Texans? That's probably why they got a loss. He had two tackles in this one. I did like Denver. We got Calvin Anderson, Calvin Anderson back uh, starting at right tackle. They pulled out a win over the Carolina Panthers. P.J. Locke did have a tackle on special teams, keeping it with the lineman theme. We had two going against each other. Dallas, they won. Connor Williams started. For the Cowboys line, Trey Hopkins started uh, at center for the Bengals, and and of course they 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 lost the Rams. Uh, it looks like Malcolm Brown he's been slipping in, in carries. Cam Akers has kind of solidified that running back spot. We'll keep an eye on how many carries he gets going forward. The Vikings, I think both Chris Boyd and Holton Hill were out this week. Marcus Johnson recording no stats. Malik Jefferson no stats. Uh, but we are going to wrap it up with the uh, with the Ravens. Devin Duvernay didn't have the receiving game. He had. Three for 24 average kick return. But, I mean, Lamar 
uh, only threw 17 passes for the second consecutive week. So they clearly are using a different formula than throw the ball a lot. And, and it's hard when you're a receiver to get the ball if they're not throwing it uh, a lot. Um, and uh, But the other two, UT Ravens did do pretty dang good. Deshaun Elliott, seven tackles on a pass breakup for the Joker. And then my other pick, and he might have Jeff Swaim here because, man, he's so good at what he does. I'm going to go out and say it. The best to ever do it in the history of the league at his position, Justin Tucker. 55-yard, not quite walk-off, but game winner with a couple seconds left uh, on Monday night football. Um Simply astonishing. Uh, that was his 16th career game winner at the NFL level. Again, not counting versus Aggies or any other collegiate game winners. Um, 16 and, and the most accurate kicker of all time. Just really incredible. My favorite thing about that was there's a next-gen stats before the kick put the, the probability at 33.4, which um, is according to their model, which, again, their model clearly is very dumb because it didn't realize that if Justin Tucker's kicking, the number is 100. Unleash Aggies Bane all over everybody. Uh, I love it. Aggies Bane uh, for the next 10 years. That's the nice thing about kickers. Phil Dawson retired at like yeah. 73. Uh, so Tucker can, can just keep the kicking. the first until, player to ever know, play in the league with his own child. <laughs> I don't think that's actually. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I was going to say, I think his own child is the entire Texas A&M, but we won't Oof. get in uh, to that. They do call him dad, I think, or maybe they have to joint custody between him and Case. Anyways, Gerald. Let's wrap it up from the NFL and let's move on to our closing segment. What are you watching on your big giant Godzilla Tron level TV screen? Uh, so we ha- didn't do a ton of streaming this last week uh, for, I don't know, whatever reason. My wife and I have just been on opposite schedules, but we did find a time to finish the Selena series. It is good. Um, ends on a, ends on, you can't, uh, can you call it a cliffhanger if you know what happens historically? I don't know. <laughs> if you don't know the story of Selena, then it's a cliffhanger. But uh, it obviously, they will continue. Um, and then I started, so I, I, I'm trying to do this thing where I, I do some reading before bed. And so uh, to just like, I, I, my mind is constantly going on that ADHD kid. And so I've been doing some reading and I'm not just reading books. I'm reading comic books as well because I don't want to read anything that's like, if I read like a, you know, development book or a business book or anything like that, I'm going to start thinking about work or other problems. And so I'm reading comic books before bed. And so Marvel, hmm. uh, Disney announced a bunch of new Marvel properties that they're going to be doing TV shows and movies about. And one of them is Miss Marvel. So I've been reading Miss Marvel and, and the they launched in 2014 and this the last probably six years of my life have been consumed with other things. But uh, it's about a 16 year old Pakistani American uh, born in, in Jersey City. Her parents are immigrants. And um, this is not a spoiler because it happens at the first, you know, 20 pages of it. But she she gets powers. And, and really, it's um, I like it because it's not it's kind of dealing with that thing that they do in comics a lot where it's you're developing and learning your powers while you're also figuring things out about yourself and who you want to be. And I think it's going to be, the show's going to be fun. They've got a lot of uh, actors and actresses that are, that are fairly unknown because, well, let's just be honest, Pakistani Americans are fairly underrepresented in Hollywood. And so um, getting to see new and, and fresh faces there is going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited. I'm a fan of it. Next up is going to be um, the Thor run from a couple of years ago where Jane Foster takes over as Thor and there's a whole thing there. It's, it's fun. So uh, those are, those are the things that I'm currently reading because I haven't been doing a ton of streaming. You're getting a little bit close to going off the nerd ledge there. I'm glad you wrapped it up. Um, 
I'm all for it. I just know, you know, if the listeners want that, there is a podcast that Gerald does with someone who is equally well-versed because it's over my head. Uh, and you can check all of the nerdness out there. So, Gerald, I finished up True Detective Season 1. Um, uh, I hadn't rewatched it. I watched one. I watched two live. I haven't watched three. So I'm going back and watching one with my wife who hadn't seen any of them. Uh, first rewatch. It holds up pretty well. Um, Matthew McConaughey is as good as advertised. I think Woody Harrelson gets underrated and how good he was uh, in that role. Um, I, I think it, it, it holds up on a rewatch. It, it's, I'd forgotten just how creepy and spooky some of that stuff uh, is. I don't, I don't play around with none of the occult nonsense. Um, but uh, you know, it, it, it was, it was good. It was quite good. Um, I think, I think, my wife liked, not loved. I think there was, it was probably one of those nightmare fuel things where it's like, you probably didn't prep me enough for how like deeply and creepy this, uh, this hits. Um, but I think maybe in a month when we look back, she might have a greater affinity and appreciation, but I liked it. I, I'm curious. I don't know if we'll make it to rewatching season two or if I'll get to three, but on my own, because I think she might be out for at least a while. Um, so what we did is we tried a little bit of a palate cleanser with something lighter and a bit of a tonic, um, for that. So we watched Fleabag, which I had been late to the, the show. A lot of people recommended it to me. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, um, who's, you know, become somewhat famous you see her around she's written some big things uh she's a name if you don't know it you should listen for because she's you know she's going to be around making hits uh on both sides of the pond for years to come uh both acting and writing but um Fleabag is kind of her she is the actor she wrote it she's kind of the main vehicle for it I kind of likened it to if it's Lena Dunham's girls but girl singular and also it's as funny as Lena Dunham thinks she is sometimes um I really liked Fleabag again um my wife went with the season one was like, okay, yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. And season two, I think she liked quite a bit more. And I think season two was definitely better than one. So if you start it, stick, stick with it. Season two, uh, gets, gets even better. I I like season one as well. I think it's, I think it's sharp. If you're, if you're at all, even a little bit, um, a fan of English humor, it it is, it is uh, dry and, 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 and just rubs in the right way. You know, it's, it's, it chafes in the best way, if I can put it that way. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I liked it. I recommend, uh, both of those. If you've never seen True Detective, if you haven't seen that, you got to for the Minister of Culture, uh, one of his his best performances. He's uh, he's got some range in yeah, it. Yeah, I've heard. I've I've had Fleabag recommended to be my multiple people that I trust. Um, so I'll I'll have to check it out. I liked like Phoebe Waller Bridge got to to do a little acting and writing in Star Wars, which was fun for me. Um, hmm. She she played a she played a uh, droids rights activist droid in the 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 <laughs> solo movie that starred. Um, a lot of people you don't know in Donald Glover. So it was good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was fun. So again, I'm going to watch it because it comes recommended by you. Gerald, I want to watch your head explode a little bit out of all of the new remake star Wars, like all of them. The only one I've seen is the solo with Donald Glover in it. That's the only one I've seen. So I have seen, I didn't really maybe know Phoebe Waller bridge at the time. So I didn't realize that was her in that role, but I've seen that movie. And I, I, I can't compare it to any other Star Wars, but I liked it. Kyle, you somehow you have access to, to, to Disney Plus. I don't know how that happened, but you know you could remedy that fairly easily. But that's all we've got for you this week, Kyle. Where can good folks find you on the internet? 
Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You can check me out on the aforementioned Nerd Podcast, Two Woke Nerds, where my co-host Raymond and I break down all of the Disney announcements, Marvel, Star Wars, all of it. We also talk a little video games off the top because, well, it's a nerd show, so why the heck not? You can follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Choose an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. If you sent me an email in the last week, I apologize. I was locked out of the email account, so if you sent one and we didn't see it, I apologize. I'll be returning those tomorrow when my children are not in the house so I can actually concentrate and do that. Thank you all so much for tuning in again this week, and until next time, hook up. Hook'em, still time for Texas to make the Big 12 championship.